So one of the, as a parent, one of the most terrifying ideas is that you're, you would be in a really crazy, busy place and, and lose one of your children or lose sight of them. Now, I won't make you raise your hand, but how many of you maybe have maybe just temporarily possibly lost a kid before? <laughs> okay, don't raise your hand. All right, we don't want to indict you. It's probably all of us at some point in time. Uh, one of my favorite stories, just, you know, as you're getting to know uh, your as you're dating your future spouse or whatever, you get to know one of the fun stories. Um, that in fact, one of the great pictures. I wish I had it. I don't have it. I don't have the picture. But uh, I was talking with Megan, and she was talking about uh, her time. She went to Six Flags over Texas. Y'all have a is Six Flags up here. Do y'all know what Six Flags is? Well, it's just some crazy theme park. That's what it is. And it's just constant chaos. There's just people everywhere. Rides making all kinds of noises. And, and so, uh, my wife Megan, when she was eight years old. So eight, like, is that second grade, second grade, second, third grade? So she has a chance to go to Six Flags with her grandparents. But the grandparent, her grandparents, I mean, they, you know, when you're going with the grandparents, you want to, like, triple, don't lose the kid. Like, that's your, you really don't want to lose the kid. And so what her grandparents did as she was eight years old was um, basically they put a, a kid leash on her and her brother. If you don't know what I know about kid leash, this is what I mean by kid leash. Okay? Except for that she wasn't two, she was eight. Okay? So she's at Six Flags with a kid leash on because we know this one thing. So there's actually a picture of her and her brother. <laughs> she's got the leash on her arm tied to a pole at Six Flags. And just... Like, whatever excitement she found from the roller coaster, she lost in humiliation to the kid leash, okay? All right? Because, and there's one reason. There is nothing worse on the planet than the thought of being lost or alone. It, especially as a kid, right, there's, it, the, the terror that you feel is part like, I, I don't want to lose my child. But the other terror part is like, I don't want my child to feel like they are alone, or loss, right? That, that feeling of aloneness is probably one of the most uh, gripping emotions you could possibly feel. I just want to say, I don't think that's just for children. I think that's for every one of us, even right now. The idea of being alone is a powerful, if not painful, thought and emotion. We've all experienced it in different ways and at different times, that feeling. In fact, if you talk, if you look at, this is amazing to me, studies that are done on the human emotion and condition, there are two things that are the most pressing to the human spirit. Two things is to have meaning and to have connection. To have meaning and and to have connection. Another way to put it is for us to matter, to have meaning, and for us to belong, to have connection. These two things drive the human experience. Uh, we have a couple of, uh, I have young kids, a couple of them are moving into the preteen years. And we've all experienced this. This is one, one of the most, 
If, in fact, I would say if I polled everyone in this room right now and said, what was probably the hardest time of your life, everybody would think junior high. That was the hardest part of my life. You know why? You know why? Because it's the moment where the kid, a kid goes from being a world, hey, my, my world revolves around my parents to all of a sudden, there's, I'm starting to see that there's another world around me. And here's what they begin to search for, meaning and connection. And it's the most awkward thing in the world because at that very moment, while you're searching for meaning and connection, you're also getting body hair and zits on your face, right? It's just weird, okay? All right? And it's this, it's this co- collision of this broken moment. And here's what's going on is that there is this desire for connect to belong. You want to belong. Everyone wants to Belong. We don't want to be left alone. And I would say this, even in our adult years, we will do whatever it takes to not feel that way. And in fact, you probably have been in a place or you have known people or honestly, if we were actually all being honest, we all do things in order to not feel that way. We'll blast music constantly or we'll always have the TV on or there's always something going or we're always, we'll always have something going because we don't love. In fact, we loathe the thought of actually being alone. And I think this, or I, I believe this, and I think what we see from Scripture is the reason that meaning and connection, or purpose and belonging, are the two most powerful things that move us as human beings is because God hardwired that into our spirit. We were made for purpose and for belonging. And God wanted to speak to and answer that. In fact, more than that, he was the answer to that question. God's the answer to the question of meaning and purpose. Or I'm sorry, purpose and connection or purpose and belonging. And what I want us to see here in John chapter 16 is Jesus is going to say some things that are going to, to pull at this issue in the hearts of the disciples. And I want you to see what he says here in John 16, verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Because here's what's going to happen. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. This is Jesus talking to those that have followed him. Come close. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. Now, this is sobering. I don't know if you can think about Maybe just put yourself in their shoes and think about what Jesus is saying to them. And they're gonna do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember them, remember that I told them to you. Now, here, here's a synopsis. Jesus is looking at it and saying, listen, things are not gonna go well for you. In the natural, there's going to come a moment where you're going to be literally so misunderstood that the lie about who I am will be so vicious. There are going to be people that are going to do something. They're going to do painful things to you, and it's going to be done in my name. It's going to be done in the name of God. They're going to think they're doing a service to God by, by coming against you. So this is a sobering moment. Look at verse five. But now I am going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? 
but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So just pause here for a moment. Now, Jesus says, this is how life's gonna go for you. And oh, by the way, I'm leaving. And none of you is asking me what's going on because they really didn't fully understand. And then he looks at them and says, listen, listen to me. I understand the pain of what you're feeling in this moment, the idea or the thought of being left alone. You're gonna come into some hardship. You're gonna feel abandoned. You're gonna think that everything is going wrong. Things are gonna be done in the name of God against you. And sorrow is filling your heart because I'm leaving. Now, you could be cynical and be like, hey, this seems like a a difficult way to address what's about to happen. That the disciples are, are coming up against that base emotion in them, feeling like, Jesus, listen, we just gave you the last three years of our lives. We've been following you, but we believe in you. And you're leaving? You're, you're leaving. This doesn't feel great. We, we feel the weight of this. Now, here's where this thing lands. Look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth. This is something you anchor your life in. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. Listen, open your eyes. Here's, Here's something you can anchor yourself in. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now here's the the rub. It feels like a weighty thing for Jesus to say, listen, I'm going to go and I understand your sorrow, but you need to listen to me. Here's the truth. It is better for me to go because if I go, I will send to you the helper. Meaning this, it's more important, it's more critical, it's more powerful, it's more relevant to your life that I leave so that you may have the helper, or the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying this. It is more critical. Now, I'm, I have a hard time getting my head around this. We're gonna explore it in the scripture. But here's what I'm gonna say. It is more critical for the Holy Spirit to be on the face of this earth than it is for Jesus himself right now. And here's what he's going to say in John chapter 14. When you ask the why is it, if you ask the, ever ask the question, why? That's, this is the question that comes, right? Why is it better for Jesus to leave, be gone, and for the Holy Spirit to come? That's the question. Why has, how is it better? I mean, I just, I don't know if you, you feel the weight of that. Like, how could it possibly be better for you to look, Jesus to leave, 
and for the Holy Spirit to come. How is that a better situation? And I want you to look, John chapter 14, here's what he says. He says, I'm gonna ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. You ask the question, why is it better for Jesus to leave and for the Spirit to come? And Jesus has an answer because when the Spirit comes, you will never, ever be alone. Ever. It says, I'm going to come and I'm going to send the Spirit. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to convince you of this. That moment where you feel alone. That moment when you feel left to the side. That moment when you feel like you're not a part. You don't belong. I want you to know and hear this. You're not an orphan, but you've been made a son. You've been made a a daughter. I'm going to be with you forever and you're never going to be alone. You're never going to be an orphan. You're never going to be abandoned. I'm coming to you. Jesus wanted us to never be alone. Secondly, when the Spirit comes, God lives in us. Now, I want you to look at verse 17. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Just two things. He says, listen, this is why it's more important for me to go. Because one, I'm coming to you, and you'll never be, you'll never, you're, you're, you'll never be alone again. You will not be an orphan. You will not be left out in the cold. <laughs> I will always, always be with you. And not only that, but I'm going to make my home inside of you. There are going to be a hundred reasons, places, ways where you begin to feel the weight of loneliness that often comes crashing in in this life. And he's going to look at what Jesus does. He looks at him and says, listen, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to be in you. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. What this means is this. If you want Jesus, you get Jesus from the Holy Spirit. You want to be with and know and talk to and sent and encouraged and built up by Jesus, the answer is he's in the Holy Spirit. This is the beautiful way he put it. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit. They are unique and individual, and they're one. And I wish I could somehow do spiritual Olympics to be able to explain that to you, but I can't. But here's what he's saying. The Spirit of God dwells in you, meaning this, 
The Holy Spirit is God. The Father and the Holy Spirit is God the Son, Jesus. And God the Spirit is God himself, the Spirit. And what he's saying is, is it, listen, I came on this earth to give my life and lay it down, and I'm going away, but I'm sending you my spirit to be with you, to walk with you, to tell you that you're not alone and you're not an orphan so that when you're out there and you're walking to work or you're walking into class or in your neighborhood on a cold and rainy day, you can be with Jesus. You can be with the Son of God. Now I want you to hear this. When he says God's spirit will be in, what he's saying is you can be, you can literally, you can walk with Jesus. You can hear his voice leading you. You'd be going through a difficult season in life, be broken hearted over a lost one. You could be scared because you've got issues with your job and here's the, promises that Jesus is right there with you. How is he with you? Through his Holy Spirit. This is the promise that Jesus gives to each one of us. That if we want more Jesus, the answer is his Holy Spirit is here. It's to your, it's how he puts it, it's to your advantage that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to send you the helper. He's going to speak to you. And he's going to bring life to you. He's going to bring power to you. This is what the Spirit of God does all the time. Now, I want to just address something before we go forward. There is a great desire for spirituality in our culture. There's, there's a desire for spirituality. Um, if, if you've been in the church or you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, you can see that our culture is going away from, if you will, a Christian ethic or a Christian moral, right? But do you know, I mean, a, a Pew study research done in the last five years said that 91% of people in the United States of America believe in God or have some belief in God, 91%. 91 have a belief in God, that 9%, I want you to hear this, the, of the 9% that, that don't believe that there is any God whatsoever, of the nine, I was looking at this, this is, this is crazy, of the 9% of all the people in our nation that do not believe in God, 2% of those people pray daily. 2%, percent of those people, two, these 9% of the, they don't believe there is a God. 2% of those people pray every day. 6% of those people, 6% of those people believe in heaven. 5% of these are people that do not believe that there is a God. 5% of them believe in hell. Listen, to, I want you to hear this. There is a cry for spiritual connection. There is a deep cry for spiritual connection. 
what Jesus is declaring, what he's saying is, listen, you can have deep spiritual connection in this life, but it's with a person. It isn't found in like the trees. It isn't found in the air. It's not uh, something that's um, kind of a, a, a concept out in the universe somewhere. What Jesus is saying is, God will send to this earth his spirit. He is a person to be received, to be listened to, and to be walked with because it's God, because it's Jesus. That's what he's saying. In fact, the word that, if you go look back in John chapter 16, the word when it says helper, the, term, the Greek term is paraclete. And actually, translators don't exactly know uh, what this word, and they've been going back and forth, the, the, the exact translation of what this word paraclete means of the Holy Spirit. It's translated differently. In fact, depending on what version you have, it's translated either helper, counselor, comforter, advocate, friend. Helper, counselor, comforter, advocate, friend. I don't know if any one of those translations is any better than the other. What I can tell you is this. Each one of those gives a distinct word picture to who the Holy Spirit is. It's telling us. If you want to know who the Holy Spirit is, it's the comforter. It's the counselor. It's the helper. It's the advocate. He's your friend. This is the declaration about who the Holy Spirit is. This is who he is and what he wants to do. Ultimately, it means uh, if the paraclete is derived from those Greek words. When you put those together, it means come alongside or come along beside or with. The Holy Spirit means God with us. God with us. Connection and meaning. Purpose purpose and belonging. God with us. He is to be received, to be worshiped, to be adored because it's God. And this is where the rubber meets the road because before we do, uh, we're going to cover a lot of things. In fact, we'll talk about so many of the things that the Holy Spirit does in this life. And that's what we're going to cover over the next few weeks. What does he do? What is he calling us to? What is he saying? What does the word have to say about him? But that's what this really comes down to. Before we go any other direction, what we have to come to our base understanding is this. Do we believe in the words of Jesus that it's better for Jesus to have left because God will send his spirit to be among us? And if that's the case, then what does he want to do in our lives. And I will ask a broader, let me ask you a broader question. How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because there is a clear indication there's a counselor, there's a comforter, there's a helper, there's an advocate, there's a friend. God intends for us to interact with his Holy Spirit. I'm gonna say that again. God intends for us to interact with his Holy Spirit. All those crying for spiritual connection out there, God's saying, you can have it. 
Everybody that wants true, significant spiritual connection, they're being invited to come and know and have that spiritual connection. It's with a person. His name is Holy Spirit. And this is the call. This is where the rubber meets the road. Now, I want to just say this um, as a part of what we're doing. Uh, It's entirely possible that you came from one of three backgrounds when it comes to the issue of the Holy Spirit, okay? One is you came from a conservative Bible church background, okay? I'm looking at all you Baptists out there, Bible church people, okay? And you went to church and it was awesome. You're like, you, under, yeah, you got it, the Father, yeah, God the Father, God the Son, and you got God the Holy Bible, Okay? And you didn't talk about the spirit much. My, my parents, I love my parents. My parents were amazing, godly people. They got tons of their discipleship in an amazing Bible church. Amazing Bible church. Um, and, but they did, not, they did not broach the spirit, the, the issue of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, you know, in fact, there was like, you know, there's the term like uh, Holy Ghost. Depending on what Bible you read, it was Holy Ghost. And they, like, that, there was maybe a thought that like, God was Casper or something like that. Like, he just weren't sure, like, how to, to like, what is the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit? This thing is weird. Uh, I get the Father and I get the Son, but God the Spirit seems strange and crazy. Um, and, and it's, you know, the Holy Spirit makes you do the crazy things because if you came, you either came from the conservative background or you came from, you came from Pentecostal background. And I can see because you guys are already like wide-eyed. You're like, I love this series already. It's so good, right? Because you Pentecostals out there, right? The Pentecostals, if you haven't done something really weird and insane, the Holy Spirit hadn't even showed up yet, right? That's how, that's how you know when the Holy Spirit showed up is crazy stuff has to happen. You're like, well, finally God came, right? It's like, if the preacher could shut up so we could do the craziness out here, right? That's what we're looking for, okay? So you came from either the Baptist, God's, God's son, Holy Bible, you didn't talk about the spirit, or you came from the craziness, or you just, you came from, you have no spiritual background whatsoever, and you're like, you're talking about spirit, man, and I'm, I'm getting a little weirded out by this. Because the truth is, we come, we're, we live in a highlight, what they call empirical world, where everything is sight, taste, touch, all the, I don't know what all, what other five senses are, we come from that, all right? Why can I not think sight, taste, touch? Sound, smell, sound, feel. I don't those all those things. And listen, our world, our, our educational system is built around that. If you can't see, if you can't do all of those things, then it's not real or it's not valid. Okay, or you're weird if you're into any of those things. Okay. And we all have these presuppositions when it comes to this idea of God interacting in our lives. And we will put God in all kinds of boxes and shelves. And what Jesus is going to say is, there's no, no one gets to put God in a box. And I'm going to come and I'm going to empower and I'm going to fill and I am going to give gifts and I am going to release truth, and I'm going to open up the word, and I'm, and I'm, I'm telling, these, these, these are the things that we see, in fact, all throughout scripture. You see it over and over and over again. What the Holy Spirit actually does, if you look, 
the volume of the things that, listen, the, the person, the Holy Spirit does in our lives, what we're going to discover from the word is, listen, we can't do anything without him. We can live lives, but there is no abundant life. Listen, the abundant life that Jesus came and died for, when he went to the cross, took our sin, and then went into the grave and then came out alive victorious, all of that victory, listen to me, can't be had apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Can't do it. This is where God is right now. He's in this room. I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit is in this room. If you have called upon the name of Jesus as Lord, King, and Savior of your life, he has come and filled you and sealed you for a ticket to be able to see God face to face and walk with him forever. And this is who we interact with in order to know what God is like. What Jesus was trying to say is, listen, it's important for me to go because I'm gonna send you, me, the spirit. And I'm gonna convince you that one, you're not alone. And that I live in you. And I have great things to do in you and through you. If you want to know God more deeply, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. You want to deal with areas of weakness in your life, Romans 8, 26, the spirit helps us in our weakness. You want to know truth and to be able to stand on truth. When the spirit of God, John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. If you want to know that there's hope for tomorrow, Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and, uh, and peace and believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may, uh, in you may abound in hope. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, you're looking to walk in supernatural courage and boldness, it's there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Spirit enables us to live in radical power and love and self-discipline. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk in purity, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, truth, John chapter 16, and freedom, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. There is absolutely nothing we can do apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Everything that you long to do, to have connection, meaning, purpose, to walk in power and life, to, 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 to uh, put off sin and shame and brokenness and disappointment and guilt and all the things that weigh us down, every ounce of it is authored by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the word saying it over and over and over again. He's to be treasured and received and walked with. He's to be worshiped and adored because he's God. It's Jesus, his spirit in us, convincing us we're not alone. And maybe if I had anything to say to you, and I'm gonna ask our band to come up. We're just gonna finish by just inviting God to come and remind us of who he is. The Holy Spirit is God with us to empower us to live. It's that simple. Uh, the, here, the word will put it this way. You do not and cannot live without having an understanding and relationship of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. It's not, it's not an option. When we open up the Bible, God wants to speak and talk to us. It's through his Holy Spirit. 
fact, in fact, this, as I just said a minute ago, our ability to know the word of God and receive the truth of God's word is on the Holy Spirit of God. Do you understand that? There is no understanding. In fact, let's put it this way. If you have a follower, if you have said yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, it's because the Holy Spirit opened, pulled blinders. In fact, 2 Corinthians pulled blinders off of your eyes to be able to see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. It's the Spirit. This Holy Spirit is ready to talk. He's ready to reveal. He's ready to empower He's ready to impart. These are all the things that the word of God says he will do. And he will do it. But listen to me. Far too long have we gone resisting or putting him at a distance, holding him at an arm's distance, not asking him to come and have his way. If you want the lordship of Jesus, coursing through your life, your ideas, your thoughts. It is through his spirit that's alive inside of us. This is what he wants to accomplish, what he wants to do. It can't be ignored. I'll I'll finish with this quote from uh, Francis Chan's pastor and author wrote a book on the Holy Spirit called The Forgotten God. And here's what he says. He says, if I were Satan... And my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes. One of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which this has happened is directly connected to the, listen, the dissatisfaction most of us feel with and in the church. We understand something very important is missing. The feeling is so strong that some have run away from the church and God's word completely. God is, Jesus is eager to interact with you and me. There is one medium by which he will interact with us. It's through his Holy Spirit. It's what makes his word come alive. It's what makes his truth bear witness in our spirit. It's what gives us the ability to move forward. We go on this journey over the next few weeks. I want you to go with me and just begin to ask that question. Am I really willing to, uh, look, can I put off, maybe, maybe if you came from the conservative or you came from the ultra Pentecostal or maybe you just came from a place where uh, you had no teaching whatsoever on the spirit. I want you to throw off any unhealthy or maybe unbiblical or preconceived notions and just say, God, I wanna interact with you. You can. Jesus, you came, you want to say things through your spirit in me. Would you stand with me? We're just going to take a few minutes. We're a little over time. We're just going to go a few minutes over. I want you to hang with me here. We're just going to invite. So if you would just be willing to invite. You might be in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus. I just want to encourage you. You just think pray about inviting Jesus to come to speak to you. He will do so if you ask him by his Holy Spirit. If you're in this place, you've been in church all the days of your life. Would you just be willing to invite him, his activity, his truth, his purposes, his plans. Just ask him.
if you have felt alone, I want you to hear this, if you have felt orphaned or alone, or maybe you're in that moment now, I want you just to invite the Holy Spirit to say, come fill me up. I don't want, I'm not alone. Holy Spirit, we just want to welcome you. We're going to open our mouths. We're going to sing just a couple of songs here, and we're going to invite you for you to come and to have your way. Jesus, you sent the helper. We want to receive the helper. In fact, you might just make that declaration just where you're at. If Jesus meant to send the counselor, the advocate, then there's a part where we have to receive and ask, Lord Jesus, come right now.